I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. With Renault, official car partner of the GAA, driving passion for sport and communities throughout Ireland and abroad. We may not be able to get in on the sporting action like we're used to, but we can get in on some exclusive offers from Renault. To celebrate their second year as official car partner of the GEA, Renault is offering a range of special offers on their new and used vehicles, exclusive to all GEA club members. So now you can take home the win right to your door. Check out renault.ie forward slash GEA to find out more. A grain, all right. A grain, all right. It's going to tip the scale. Just remember that, then. And a small bit of a needle there. Now, come on, Mayo. You've got to get Andy Moran into the game. Listen, he's green, and now they're really roaring. And I can tell you, tell you, that there won't be a cloud milk I'll declare for at least a week. Hello, everyone. You're very welcome to the Irish Examiner Gaelic Football Show. My name is Paul Rouse, and I'm joined today by Oisin McConville, the Armagh footballer, by Kieran Sheehan, who's working his way back from injury and may yet play in this year's championship. And we're joined by a very special guest, the leash manager and the former Kerry footballer, Mike Quirk. We'll be talking about football finals in all four provinces from the return of Mayo as Connacht champions to the ominous sight of the Dublin juggernaut cranking into gear and on again to a Munster final without Kerry. But we're going to start in Ulster. The dust is settling on this now, but the end of Mickey Hart's reign is a landmark moment in the modern history of the GAA. Uh, Ushin, you worked with Mickey Hart last Sunday covering the <coughs> Down Cavan match on the BBC. How was he? Jeez, he was in exceptionally good form. <laughs> I don't know what it is about inter-county management, but it's obviously a very, very uh, stressful industry to be involved in. Mike might be able to uh, follow that conversation, but he just seemed in really good form. He seemed, uh, he seemed happy with his decision. He, it wasn't, let's put it, I guess, it wasn't exactly... Mickey Harder was expecting to meet last Sunday. Um, and as far as the uh, analysis of punditry stuff, like he took to that like a duck to water. I mean, like he, we found it very difficult to get anything out of him before the game as far as, you know, what was going to happen or how things would develop. But at halftime, like by the time halftime came, he was all over it. He, you know, he was picking out things, especially at the start of the second half. Uh, you know, when Calvin started to press and, you know, he talked about how him and... Uh, Horst Devlin, you know, were trying to preach that for the last couple of years and uh, all that sort of thing. So I, uh, I found it, I found it very interesting to be in his company. Uh, but also, is that the first time you were in his company? No, no, I've been in his company loads of times. Uh, when I've been in his company, I didn't always speak to him now. But um, uh, when I've been in his in his company, I've always, I've always found him. 100% and I've always he's always made time to to uh, speak to me we have a mutual friend you know we were at a wedding one day and he went out of his way to spend half of the day with myself and my wife and uh, so look at he, he's, he's he is he's an intriguing character uh, I think you know his 
his legacy hasn't been helped by what has happened the last couple of years. And when I say that, I mean the fact that there was any uh, discussion even over the fact that he was going to stay on as Tyrone manager. There was a lot of rumblings in Tyrone of people who wanted rid of him. I'm across the border in our man. I'm going, lads, let's be careful what you wish for because, you know, when you consider where Tyrone were when he, when he brought them over, where they are now, don't get me wrong. I, I do think, you know, uh, change is great. He's been able to uh, change up his backroom team at different times, and, and that has definitely helped them. Uh, a lot of the guys who he's brought in have, have uh, moved with the modern way of playing football. He has adapted to that too. I would say that at different times, Mickey Hart was uneasy uh, with the way uh, football was developing, uh, certain things. Um, and I think he brought a lot to the party last week as far as um, just being a, a recent inter-county manager who was willing to give um, his opinions on what was going on in the pitch and so he, his and his findings, you know. He was so he was open and that. But in terms of like, what did you get something special from talking to him last Sunday? Did you get a special insight into how he approached things, how he read games? Was that his greatest strength as a manager? I don't think so. I don't think it was how he read games. I think it was uh, the people he surrounded himself with and uh, how he was able to, as I say. Uh, keep adapting. Um, <clears throat> I suppose the, the biggest insight I would have got into him would, would have been uh, how he tried to manage people and uh, how he tried to get the best out of people. And, uh, you know, I, I have often heard, I heard very, very early on in uh, Mickey Hart's tenure about uh, how personable he was. Uh, there's been less anecdotes about that in more recent times. Um, but how also how he's used his own personal tragedy and uh, being able to to bring that on to to uh, bring that into management. I suppose one thing he said last week I thought was really interesting was that uh, all of the things that have happened to him, all of the things that have happened happened to his team, all the things that have affected him, the win and the lose and all those sort of things, all of those things put together have shaped him as uh, into the manager that he he was and is and that's the other thing I got out of him the other thing I found from him last week is that Mickey Hart has absolutely no intention of uh, drifting off into the breeze like you know what I mean he he will manage uh, again I don't know if that's going to be inter-county level I imagine it is uh, or it's going to be club level but Mickey Hart's not finished with the game he made that patently obvious last week in the things that he didn't say when, when, you, when you look at him how how many All Irelands do you think you would have won if he hadn't managed Tyrone? Wow, Jesus, what a question! Um, we would probably would have won another one, uh, at least. Just a two. Mike shaking his head there at that. He's a bit disappointed. It's only setting the bar at two. <laughs> well, I think uh, the best football we played, I think, uh, as a team in Armagh was 05. And uh, we were caught badly in 05 by them. And uh, and a lot of it was definitely, like, he was taking Peter Canavan off and putting him back on again when that was complete. Like, he was the original. Like, I, I don't remember anybody else ever having that plan. And when we heard Peter Canavan come back onto the pitch, I mean, we changed everything that day 
in order to try and counteract them. We took Geezer off and we put Andy McNulty on to try and mark him. Uh, Tyrone started to run through the middle of our defence and, and uh, I think they picked up uh, three of the last four scores and that's what ended up beating us. Um, he had a great... Uh, he had a great way of whipping up the crowd. He, he knew when to make substitutions. Um, and as I say, tactically, I'm not sure, I'm not sure how much in, input he had. I'm sure he had quite a bit. But I do think that the people around him and the people he trusted around him were very important. And if you look at the, the characters he's, that he's had from uh, he started in inter-county management 18 years ago um, to now, um, you'll find that all of those guys were guys who were up to date with what was going on uh, within the inter-county game. And also, uh, he just kept freshening it up as in he, he, tr- he tried to bring in younger people all the time. I mean, uh, he brought in Peter Donnelly, you know, as S&C coach. And uh, to lose him, I think, really stung him really badly. And, uh, you know, he, he had such an input... Because he was like, if you've seen his his management team, you would say Peter Donnelly. It'll say S and C coach, but he's much more than that. He was always the, the guy who was on the other side of the pitch doing water boy or whatever. But he had such an input into not just how they were how they were conditioned, but uh, also how they played the game. And I think you know that was a brilliant acquisition for, for Monaghan. But you know, as I say, it really stung uh, Tyrone and Mickey Hart to lose him. Just before we move on from from that area, you you spoke a couple of weeks ago about the edge in the um, we'll call it relationship between Cavan and Monaghan on the football field. There was there was a discernible edge between yourselves and Tyrone at the height of um, of your rivalry. Do you is there a relationship between the players, or is this a kind of a wider? cultural thing between the two counties and the supporters uh, like, you, you mean, have a relationship with those players I would, have a re- I would have a relationship with some of them and there's some of them that I wouldn't that's <laughs> uh, <laughs> the best way to put it um, at, at the time what, what do you mean by that uh, well at the time Paul put it like this at the time in the north right uh, it was front page and back page news uh, it was hugely claustrophobic to be involved in those games. There didn't seem to be anywhere you could turn. I mean, I was working in Armagh at the time. There didn't seem to be anywhere you could turn on, you know, that that you, you didn't have to talk or you didn't have to listen to about what was going on with, with Armagh and Tyrone. And to be honest, a lot of time that could be in December and January when, you know, when you think, no, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be able to get a couple of months away from that. Um, but as I say, it was front page and back page news. It was very claustrophobic. Uh, there was a genuine hatred when we played. And uh, and I think, you know, us winning all Ireland in 02 was a springboard for them winning uh, three after that. And I think the, the most important game in the, in the, when you go back, and the most important game in that trilogy was um, the 03 final. And whoever won that 03 final was going to be uh, dominant after that. There was a huge, huge shift psychologically whenever they won in all Ireland. Uh, you know, it was. They, Do you regret that? The, Do you regret that day? Oh, fuck every day of my life, uh, Paul. Uh, I do regret it because uh, I, I, st- I still think that we had opportunities to win the game and I think we were awful that day. So, you know, we only lost the game by a point. So, 
you know, there's there's uh, there's huge regret, there's huge regrets over that. But I think as time has gone by, like I got to know some of the drone lads, and I will have a good, I will have a good relationship with them. But there's others I don't want to have any interest in getting to know. Mike, do you feel the same in Kerry? <laughs> About Tyrone then and uh, Arma, um, they're like Mickey Hart to me, lads, is one of the like one of the greatest managers that's ever you know stood in the sideline, and it's strange the way. Like his team sometimes just didn't mirror the image that that he himself kind of portrayed, and, and you know he was such a you know seems like a deeply religious guy and and so placid and, and so calm. And then you look at his team on the field and they're they're pulling the heads off guys and sledging and, and doing all sorts of stuff. So there was a kind of a, a bit of a contradiction there at times. But look, I I don't think from from where Tyrone were to where he took them, like without question, one of the top top managers that that's ever been involved in a game. What, how was he viewed generally in Kerry? In say in a Kerry dressing room, when you were in the Kerry dressing room, what was what way was his team considered, and what way was he considered? Oh, sure, his team was considered the way they were, which was which was you know absolutely great team. But I, I think that was the paradox with him all the time that you you just felt that you know for his team to perform the way they did, and obviously they were blessed with brilliant footballers as well, and, and not that it was just all you know negative stuff. But he he just didn't fit the way that the team played, and and it was it was almost that there was something you know there was something behind it, there was some something behind the cloak like that, uh, you know he had these guys absolutely wound to the last when. When maybe the perception that he himself, you know, carried wasn't wasn't of, of that. But there's no question. I mean, the Kerry, those teams that played against Kerry were were exceptional teams. The same times that Oshin is talking about, and and he was the guy that created all that. And and they came from nowhere, and and they developed a style of play that suited the guys that they had. And and geez, they maximised it and got every last drop out of each other. And you know, the fact that he's still managing all this time and, and still being a really relevant force in Gaelic football, you know, it's, he's probably been a victim of his own early success, really. And that's why, why people are, are maybe getting kind of fed up with him being involved this long. But, you know, for me, one of, one of the best that's ever done it. It would be interesting to see where he, um, where he moves on to next. And we, we'll move on to, to the Munster football final. Mike, what's it, um, what's it like to be a Kerry man in the week of a Munster football final preparing to watch Cork play Tipperary? It's it's strange. It's very strange. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm looking at all the bloody Sunday stuff and looking at the Tipperary jerseys and saying what a what a fantastic historical day to be involved in playing. And um, I'm sure for the Kerry guys, they'll be they'll be disgusted to have have missed out. But um, you know, why did uh, it happen? Why why are they missing out? Uh, because they weren't good enough on the day, and and that's the way when you're playing knockout football against teams like you know people always go on about Kerry, you know, building up Cork. Kerry people build up Cork because they know that, that that fear and that threat is always there. That they're always capable of beating you on a day, and this doesn't like that's that's the way it's always been in Munster. And no matter how poor Cork might be going or how poor Kerry might be going, that game is a toss of a coin an awful lot of time. And 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 that's what it was last, you know, whenever it was two weeks ago. Bad weather, bad bad football. A lot of the times, but Cork hung in there and hung in there, and 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 they got their rewards. Didn't play particularly brilliant on the night or anything like that, but they did what they had to do and and, and got a great result. And who, who do you who? How do you see next next weekend's game? How do you see Cork Tipperary? A little bit like Kerry and Cork. I mean, obviously Cork are going to go into the game as favourites, and 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 rightly so. And and you know, by all accounts, they should be the ones that win the game. But 
you know, Tipperary kind of reading back into the mix, the whole thing. I, I, I just, I, I wouldn't have it as clear cut as, as maybe a lot of other people will. No, I, I'd still be confident that Cork will win that game, but I, I wouldn't be writing off Tipperary on, on the occasion that it is on a one-off game. Um, with the boost that Conor Reardon's been training with them and he comes back into the thing, even if he doesn't start the game, it's just a big psychological boost. We played them in a challenge game going back going back a few weeks before we started and, and they were talking then about trying to get Colin cleared to, to be able to play. So it's obviously been going on on for a little bit and, um, you know, they're, 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 they've got forwards that can hurt you and, and in, in Gaelic football today in any kind of conditions, if you've got forwards like Sweeney and, and these guys, they, they can put up a score. So, so Cork, Cork will have it all to do to make sure they get the win. Kieran, Colin, Colin O'Reardon coming back in. Uh, how well do you know Colin? Um, I haven't met Colin personally, but he'd be, he'd be on our WhatsApp group there um, with the lads that are over in Australia at the moment. Um, and we'd be kind of communicating that way. But I, I've obviously you keep a, a close eye on, on all the Irish lads when they're playing over. He was one that developed really quickly. He's, his pace and power was something that kind of... I suppose, got him onto the, the Sydney Swan senior side initially. And he's a very skillful guy as well. But I think he's, a, he's certainly a player that Cork need to worry about to a certain degree um, and need to, you know, plan, plan around how you, you deal with the likes of, of Colin Reardon. I think his direct running um, and breaking the line is, is where we we'll, and Cork will kind of focus on, on trying to stop that as much as possible. Um, will he play midfield? Um, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I don't. I don't know enough about what he's been doing with Tip over the last number of weeks. Um, he's traditionally a halfback in AFL. No, two very different games. So whether whether he goes to halfback line or midfield, I like from a personal point of view, I, I would think he he might go midfield based on his size. But in saying that, I don't know. I, I don't know how Tip are going to plan for for us as well. They might you know have some some tactic there that you know puts puts Colin in a halfback position that you know. Um, suits them more so. So, look, it'll just be a case of, of wait to see where he lines out. But he's certainly someone that we've um, we've said you know might be uh, someone that we will need to to get a handle on. When you've looked at Tipperary, where do you think they're also strong? The obvious one being, um, I suppose, they're they're forwards Sweeney and, and Quinlevin. There, obviously, the two mainstay names there. Um, just pure footballers can you know, like to Sweeney there can kick a score off a step. You know. These are the type of guys that you really have to clamp down on. Um, but in saying that, look, they've 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 a good forward line built around these guys as well. You know, working forwards that get the ball into their hands at the right times and get them in the right position. So, look, I think I think they're very strong up top. I do think the the running pace of the likes of Robbie Kiley, you know, Brian Fox when he came on, um, I think was you know I don't know if he'd be starting at the weekend, but he's a guy that's been around a long time, has you know a lot of experience. I've come up against him a couple of times and, and he's absolutely got the better of me. So he's he's the type of guy that, you know, can can kind of lift the team. But I, I just think overall, I think they've 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 been well balanced. I think over the last number of weeks, they're they've actually put themselves in a really good spot. I don't think they played particularly well against Limerick. And I think um I think they know that, which again puts them in a good spot coming into a monster final. Because you know that that big performance is 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 coming, and look, I I just think I just think it's it's certainly as Mike said there, like Tip Tipper team that always kind of you know they show up like uh, the way I put it is Cork Cork need to be need to be a team that is going to be hunting rather be, than be hunted, and that needs to start right from from the first whistle. It is it is a case of hunter be hunted because the way the way Tip 
you know, the last thing you want to do is get in a dogfight with Tip. You sound like they, a man who's a little bit worried, if you don't mind me saying so, because the week before, the week <coughs> before the Munster final, you were saying very clearly, Cork will do this, Cork will yeah. do that. And now you're saying Cork need to. That's a, yes. that's a, that's a fairly serious psychological shift. Absolutely. Absolutely. It, it is. It is because, look, there, there, there's always going to be concern there when you're coming into a Munster final after beating Kerry. Um, you know, uh, everything's kind of lining up for this typical, you know, as you'd see. I know people are saying it and you can't hide away from it that people are saying, you know, it'd be like Cork now to lose the Munster final. And, that, and that's the reality of it. That's the way people are talking. But look, I don't think that's the case. Right. And I said this, I said this, um, as you said there in, in a couple of podcasts ago about Cork and this, this group, particular group of players. They're, they're a different group of players to what I've watched over the last number of years. But I've been involved with them this year, and I think they're the way they're going to approach this game is we're not going to worry about what happened, you know, previously. We're not going to worry about what's going to happen after this game. This game is to be all or end all at the moment for Cork football. And yes, there's an element to worry, and yes, there's always going to be an element to worry coming into a monster final. But it's 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 a huge, huge game. Um, there's there's a number of different ways Cork can you know stick to the process and stick to to what they know and what they've done against Kerry. I think that's the most important thing. Do you have a sports psychologist in the Cork Senior Football Squad with this Cork Senior Football Squad? We do, we do. Um, Is I think, busy, <laughs> busy this week. Um, yeah, look, there's there's a number of different factors. Like here in, in relation to this, this, the psychology piece. Um, Look, it's it, the mindset is hugely, hugely important in how we approach this game. You know, we've a lot of lads, younger lads, guys that would have, you know, played under 20 last year that come into this group. And we saw from, from the Kerry game, the likes of Sean Mee and Mara Shanley, these guys who are younger guys. Um, and, I, and and the core group of, of, of lads are younger. So so I think this is this is the important place where guys can get an edge in relation to psychology and how you how you face this game um and i think i think you know from that step up from under 20 to senior that is in a place where you can get an edge um, what is the message so what is the message then that the sports psychologist is using look there's a lot there's a lot of things coming into play here i think um obviously with the whole bloody sunday occasion um you know uh, and even the, the smallest things like tip are going to be wearing a different color jersey like how how do we how do we approach that? What's our mindset going into that? Are we visualizing, you know, playing tip in, in, you know, green and white jerseys? You know, there's all these different factors that, you know, you have to think about going into this game. Tip, do they have an added motivation this Sunday using, you know, the his, historic side of it? What, what's our motivation as well? You know, you know, it's, we're the GA, we're an association. This is our motivation as well, you know? Um, so there's, there's, there's varying different factors, but I, I just think, and with this work, sorry, sorry to cut across you, but is this work that the sports psychologist has been doing, is this one-on-one -on -one work or is it group? Is it with the group? It's with the group. It's with the group. Um, I think, I think you know, one-on-one -on -one work, I think would be an option if guys needed it. But I think, I think it is, I think, I think you're right. I think it's, it's, I don't know if you're getting, is that, that's where you're getting to, but I think it is very um, individual. I think, you know, for example, I'll give you an example of, of Daniel Goulding, right? Um, he was a player that visualized an awful lot. He was a free taker. That was his, you know, that was his, his baby as such, you know, and, and he used to visualize over and over again before the game, you know, how he was taking the freeze, where he was taking him from. And it worked, it worked for him. Um, for me on the flip side of that, 
I'd be exhausted if I tried to visualize, you know, everything I was going to do on the pitch before I went out there. Um, you know, I, I, I'd be a player that would be conscious of playing the game before I actually play the game, if you get me. Um, so, so there's different approaches for different individuals. But if you can get a group mindset around, you know, obviously the, the key messages, you know, not taking tip for, for granted, giving them the respect they deserve, you know, they're, they're over the last few years, they're basically, I know David Power would be confident that, you know, they'll beat us on Sunday. You know, the last number of years, they, they beat us in, in the 2018 league down in Parky Creeve. They beat us in championship in 2016. You know, this is a lot of the same players here as well. So, but that's just speaking from the tip side. And, and as I mentioned before, this is a different Cork team. So you'd be hoping that Cork will, will perform on Sunday. Oshin, uh, the, the psychological preparation for a game like this or for any game, uh, how, how, where do you stand on sports psychology? Well, <clears throat> I was first introduced to sports psychology in 2002. Uh, we brought two guys in, uh, Hugh Campbell and Des Jennings. Uh, one of them's actually still involved in Armagh while he's been He's been to other counties, but uh, Kieran McGinney, I think he's he's been with Cavan, he's been with Monan since, but uh, Kieran McGinney brought him back in when he came in. Um, so himself and Des, and Des is somebody that I've used everywhere I go now, you know, as far as management's concerned. Uh, I like it. I, I, to be honest, I, I've, I've, I've. Uh, what does he do? What, 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 what does he do with teams? Well, uh, to be honest, like, I think the impact he's had on on teams uh, is more minimal than it once was. I mean, all the work we did in 2002 was mainly, you know, around the collective, whereas uh, it's gone more towards the individual. And I like that a little bit more, you know, tackling um, individual issues with individual players. Um, And uh, that's the way I, that's the way I prefer uh, my sports psychologist to work, to work. Uh, when I think of where Cork are at the weekend, um, they're in a tough, they're in a tough place psychologically because um, that's exactly what people are saying. You know what Kieran says. That's exactly what people are saying. You know, it'd be just like Cork to turn around and lose this game. And uh, you know, I said the last day that you know, went before they play Kerry, there will have to be a serious shift um, in the mentality of Cork as a county in order to win that game uh, and they won the game and there was a serious shift and I suppose this is the next part of that journey and the next part of uh, that shift to see if you can uh, back that up but back it up in the circumstances that can back it up if I, if I can think of uh, things being stacked against you then uh, I think Cork have things stacked against them this weekend they have a team coming in who first of all uh, wouldn't feel that they have um, played to the best of their ability so far and they haven't uh, put any more than 10 minutes of, a, of, uh, of good football together um, they have the historical um, this historical thing behind them that's a very interesting thing what Kieran said I mean I I, I w- I became more individualization as, as my career went on, especially around uh, free kicks and stuff. But uh, but imagine closing your eyes and thinking, I'm playing, we're playing Tipperary at the weekend. Very, very difficult uh, to get blue and yellow out of your head uh, and, and change that and turn up at the weekend and actually see, for a lot of times, I don't care 
uh, how many uh, for all of there's 30 people in that change in the Cork change room there's I'm telling you now there's four or five who will still turn up expecting them to be in blue and yellow because that's just the way of the world I introduced the sports psychologist or tried to introduce the sports psychologist to the club um, before I stopped playing just to try and and, and impact things in a, in a different way to try and change things up to try and freshen things up we were told to stand in the circle one night and five boys wouldn't go into the circle because they had no, they didn't, you know, they were coming towards the end of their career and they didn't want to, you know, they didn't want to engage in any of that. I don't think that that goes on anymore, but I can guarantee you that there's five boys in that change room who are still expecting Tipperary to turn up and play in blue and yellow. <laughs> and and the, the shock on their faces whenever they realize they take off their, their tracksuit tops and all of a sudden they're in, they're in, they're in green and white. So, what, what, what would you do with, like, what, what do you do like with those a lads? small thing what what do you what what if there's lads who don't buy into something on the team what do you do well anytime we had we had something like that going on like somebody had to change the jersey because they were playing against us we would hang the jersey up we we would have, we had a guy who would have uh, resourced the jersey hung it up in the change rooms we used to put it on the floor and walk over it before we went out, all that sort of stuff. But you were, you were, you were in no, uh, there was no question in your mind what colour the team was wearing at the weekend. You know, so I don't know if, if Cork have had the ability to go and do that. But uh, even that, I know that sounds like a very simple thing. But once you put all of those things together, they are very, very important. And that's where, like, sometimes the psychology stuff can be just the simplest uh, little things. And, like... I understand there has to be a huge substance behind uh, Tipperary going and beating uh, Cork at the weekend. Uh, but if you add in the little historical thing, if you add in you're playing for something a little bit more, it'll help. It won't get you over the lane, but it'll help. And it's another little percentage along the way of, uh, of that. And, and I think it's so important how this game starts. You know, so important how Cork starts. Uh, most importantly, and that will send a signal out to everybody around the pitch, you know, whether we are Cork of old or whether we're the new Cork who were able to take carry out. So, for, for what it's worth, I think Cork have a, I, I think they are, I think Tipperary have a huge step to make because I watched them against Offaly in the National Football League and I really thought they'd gone back a long way from, from the team that had got to an All Ireland semi final. I watched them against Limerick. In the in the monster semi final, and I thought they were exceptionally fortunate to 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 win that game. And it it seems to me that for all you can prepare, and for all that you can you can put these things into your head, and for all that you can feed off history or anything else, it's still an enormous <clears throat> ask to go out. The ball is the same shape. The lines of the field are are there. You still have to be good enough, and. The pre- I, I take the point of there being pressure on Cork, but really, if Cork, if having beaten Kerry, to, to, to not be able to close this out would be, it, it would be quite stunning. He's ramping say, it up, Kieran, he's ramping it up big time. Can I, can I just say on that, Paul, like, if, if Cork were to play tip in a semi-final, the Kerry game didn't happen. If Cork were to play tip in a semi-final, how would you view that game? Would you say, Cork, yeah, no problem, beat tip, you know, clear favourites, better, you know, better team. Or would you say, okay, maybe tip, you know, they've been going okay, Cork haven't been going great. Because this was this was the way people were thinking Cork were playing division three football 
Um, you know, they haven't been going. They 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 obviously got promoted and everything, but at the same time, tip only be tipped by a point in their league game against them. Um, how would you how would you view that game? Because look, I, I sound very that... much like a Kerry man in the week before that Munster semi final <laughs> trying to talk down the opposition, and it's not <laughs> it's not convincing. It's a fair point, but Cork won Division Three at a canter. And Tipperary yeah. were mired in the middle. In fact, Tipperary were fighting relegation really when it came down to it. They they had to beat Leitrim on the last day, more or less, to 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 stay up. I think on balance, it's very difficult. I think I think it would be very difficult as a Cork football person to accept that this is a game that 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 should be lost. And I would do that. But we know that everything is possible. I I, I want to move to Mike for a second. If we could move on to talk about uh, last weekend, Mike and. It's not necessarily in terms of sports psychology, but it is in terms of how you prepare for 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 a match. Did you think you were going to beat Dublin last Sunday? Uh, I thought we were going to be a lot more competitive than we were. Um, Did you think you were going to win? Uh, I thought there was a chance. Yeah, I thought there was a chance. Uh, it probably sounds you know funny or embarrassing to say it out loud, but I did. Thought we had a chance. Um, because if you're going into any fight and you don't think you have a chance, there's no point being there. So um, obviously you look back now and you say, well, it would be by 20 points or whatever it was, and you're saying, sure, you had no chance. But but that wasn't our mindset. We were trying to get ourselves into a place where where we thought we had an opportunity to go and, and beat the greatest team that's ever played the game. And and, and if you Do you think they're that good? Do you think Dublin are the greatest team ever to play yeah, the game? Yeah, Why? I yeah, I do. Um, because they're not finished yet. They've just done five in a row and... and they show no signs of, of slowing down. Uh, the quality they have, the the physicality, the everything about their about their setup and and their mentality, their psychology, the way they approach the games, the way they approach games against you know Leash, you know uh, Westmead games that they know they have a belief that they're going to win that game, but they don't allow their standards to drop to a position where that game becomes a a, a really close contest where it's only three or four points in the finish. Where they put teams, you know, like Leash, like Westmead, like whoever else they'll play, they put them to the sword by by 10 plus points. They're averaging beating teams in Leinster by over 15, 16 points, whatever it is. And, and their ability to stay motivated to do that against those teams is what sets them apart from every other team. Like when Kerry was going really well, we still had struggles with, with games maybe below Clare or Tipperary, yeah. you know, whereas Dublin just don't seem to do that. They just seem to be in such a really strong psychological place that they know their jobs and they go out and they perform no matter. They're, it's like a golfer playing against the course and not playing against the guy they're playing against. They're trying to get as low a score on the course as they possibly can. And, and who they're playing against is largely irrelevant. And, and, and to have that kind of a mindset, and then you look at the likes of Brian Fenton and these guys who are 26, 27 years of age, Kilkenny, they're just, they're, they're, uh, they're a special, special bunch. And the new players that have come in, Tom Laheef, um, Sean Bugler, mm-hmm. how do you rate them? Paddy Small, yeah. yeah. Paddy Small, yeah. Look again, like it's it's when you're when you're winning by twenty points, you know, all these guys look comfortable and and, and they look um, they look the part, and and it's easy on a team that's that's doing that. So until they get into a you know a proper battle and and are really put to the pin of the collar, that's when we will really know. But I mean, look, they brought they brought guys, you know, they brought Paul Mannion off the bench, Carmichael, Brian Howard, 
Philly, Philly McMahon, uh, and like out of all of them, Philly, Philly's probably the only guy maybe towards the latter stages of his career. The rest of these guys like have have three or four all stars in the last five years. So you know when it comes down to it, whether whether Paul Mannion starts or Paddy Small starts, they're still going to be having these guys that have an immense quality coming off the bench or starting, and um, they're just they're still in a in a sickeningly healthy state and and. Uh, they just don't look like they don't look like they're slowing down, which is which is the it's going to be the big challenge for everybody else. Not only have they changed, year. has Desi Farrell changed anything this year? Is there evidence of of anything new about Dublin? Uh, no, not 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 that not that's obvious at the moment. Anyway, you know, and again, you know, we'll we'll see maybe when 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 they get Donegal or Mayo or Cork or whoever whoever gives them a more of a challenge into the last ten minutes, but. You know, for now, like we 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 actually were we got to a point at halftime where we were relatively pleased. We had we had won like eighty percent of our own kickouts, which was something they had done very well against Westmead. We had taken four or five of their kickouts. We had given ourselves loads of chances, and yet we found ourselves at halftime eight points down because we couldn't. You know, our intention was to go out and be adventurous and have a crack and and try and put up a score. And uh, we didn't want to sit back and have fifteen men behind the ball and just take a beating that way. We wanted to go and have a go, and and we just couldn't. We couldn't score the ball against them. And um, for all their attacking talent and their, you know, their their athleticism around the field, defensively the guys they're they're still so <clears throat> proud of the job that they're doing and, and and do it as well as they can. But to see anything significantly different, not not particularly at this point. But you know, again, I I'd like to reserve judgment on that until you actually see them in a dogfight with ten minutes to go. How, how did you take those kick out kickouts off them? I'd rather not say really. <laughs> uh, no, look, we like, depressed. Yeah, we did. We did. Yeah, we wanted to. We like we spoke to the players before the game, and and again, you see, like the point you were making there, like do teams really have a belief that they can actually go and beat Dublin? You know, they're they're like that's the big that's the biggest issue. Now, obviously, there's a there's there's a difference in talent and depth of of, of the quality that you have available and different things and the resources that they have and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, it's a it's a belief now that teams probably lack, especially in Leinster. Can I read you something? Can I read you something, Mike? Can I read you something that Kevin McStay um, wrote this week? Uh, he's talking about what what it was like managing Roscommon going up to play Dublin in the, I suppose the Super Eights and and that. And he said, deep down, you know that defeat is going to be your lot. That reality pops into your brain no matter how often you try to convince yourself or your players otherwise. Teams know they don't have the stuff to live with Dublin. Is that how you felt? Like that's that's definitely a, that's a, a prevailing narrative that is around there. And and uh, but I, I think that's the challenge though. That that is the challenge to get to get that narrative away. I mean, look, I probably shouldn't share it, like, but what, what we were looking at is like we we're looking at Dublin as 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 the four-minute mile in in April 1954. Like mm-hmm. That was our that was our metaphor, and I, you know, like we we were we were looking at like nobody had broken the four minute mile in 1954 until Roger Bannister did it, and once Roger Bannister did it, in the next four years there was 30 other people had broken the four minute mile. So so it's about it's about seeing somebody do it first of all, and then that belief spreading to whereby everybody feels like they have a chance of doing it, and 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 until that's done, that belief and 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 that. That faith in your own abilities to go and perform and really get a result against against the greatest team that's there, it's it's not going to happen until we see others do it. And and someone is going to do it eventually. Brian Fenton is not going to finish playing Gaelic football without without suffering a defeat in championship. You know, I hope I don't regret that in 10 years' time, but that's the likelihood. Um, so somebody eventually is going to do it. And when that happens, 
then you're going to see other teams do it, you know, shortly afterwards. And uh, it's just to get that first one out of the way first is the is the biggest challenge. And and do you do you think your players shared your belief? So you you don't ever know that, Paul. You know, you hope you hope that. You know, like we like to involve these fellas in it. Like we spoke to the players. I asked them what way do they want to approach the game? Did they want to go and put 15 men behind the ball and, and hide in a bunker and see how, how low we could keep the defeat? Or did you want to go and, and try and, you know, have a go and express yourself and, and see where it took you? Now, ultimately, it wasn't good enough. And, and but we, I, I still think that we learned plenty in that game that can help us improve moving forward into the games that we have next year. You know, there's stuff that we did you know, defensively and on our kickouts and on their kickouts that we'll take great confidence from. Uh, and then we have to try and improve in the aspects that we didn't do so well in, in, in terms of turning that into scores and rewarding rewarding the effort and the, the, the approach that we took by putting more scores on the board. And ultimately, we weren't able to do that. But but you're hoping now that, that because you approached the game in that way and because you got the value that we did out of it, uh, at least for, for us, that we can build on it and improve and, and, and that you take fellas further along the line with you next year. And were least players demoralised after after that defeat? Um, were they demoralised? I'm not sure if if they were demoralised. I mean, we were disappointed. You know, we we were we were we weren't disappointed so much at the defeat. We were disappointed that our effort hadn't been rewarded with a better offensive performance. Yeah. Uh, if that makes sense, like like we would have. You know, we lost by whatever we lost by, but if we if we could have got ourselves to 15 or 115 was a kind of a target that we were looking at and, and to try and get to there. So we were really disappointed that we didn't get that 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 joy out of out of the offensive side of the game. Um, but we took a lot of we took a lot of positives from some of the other stuff, which sounds ridiculous, I know, when you say you got beaten by 22 points. But we we'll take a lot of positives from the other stuff. Uh, you know, Mead, Meads kicked four points against Dublin in the Leinster final last year. Uh, and now people are saying they have a crack of, of, of doing something against them this year. So you, you have to take, you got to take what you can from, from those defeats and those poor performances and build on it and, and, and try and improve, obviously, going forward. The, the, when you look at Dublin, though, if you were to look at it in terms of a weak spot, what do you, is there a way that you think they can be got at? Uh, I, I, I still think, you know, they have, they have gaps defensively where, where they allow you opportunities to score. Uh, you just have to be good enough to take him. Um, like around the middle of the field, you know, Brian Fenton is obviously, you know, he, he's, he is the pick of, of the bunch, maybe the pick of, of the bunch for certainly this generation and, and, uh, and it's in the conversation after that. But um, offensively, they're really, really dangerous. Their bench is really dangerous. I still think the, the best way you can get at them is you have to be, you have to be progressive and attack and, and go and, and try and create scores and, and scoring opportunities and score goals. Um, because they will give you opportunities to score. They play the game, you know, by keeping at least, you know, five of those forwards as high up the pitch as they possibly can. Of course, they get back and they're are, are very defensive at other times, but they keep guys high enough and they're honest enough on kickouts that they will give you opportunities to score. So you just have to really go after them and, and, and see if you can put scores on the board to, to keep it being a game with, with 10, 15 minutes to go and see where that takes you. But I, I just think the more defensive you become against Dublin and, and, and the more happy you are to put bodies behind the ball, they're just too, too talented and, and too skilled and, and, and their decision-making is so on point that they're going to break you down eventually and their scoring, their scoring is, is inevitable that they're going to put, put themselves over the top. But you have, to, you have to try and have a goal and have to try and score against them. It's your only, it's your only hope, really. So th- the logic of what you're saying is if you look at the way Kerry approached the championship this year, the two league games and the game against Cork, they were really defensive, putting runners up the field. That's not how you would do it. 
uh, look, you, you have to marry, you have to marry a bit of conservatism at the back with making sure that you have you have enough talent up front to get your scores. Now, Kerry are in a different position because they have guys like Clifford and Shawnee Shea and Tony Brasson. So so they, maybe they can rely on having only only three forwards up there and hope that those guys, as they did against Cork, and hope that those guys are going to get you enough scores to get you over the line. Now, ultimately, that didn't prove successful, obviously, in, in, in the way that they played against Cork, but it was probably something they were looking at towards Dublin down the line to make sure that they had enough defensive cover while you know you you're gonna like you're not gonna unless you are getting to unless you're getting to 23, 24, 25 points, you know, 120, you're not gonna beat Dublin. You know, so unless you're putting up 20, 23 to 25 points, you've no you've no chance. You're not gonna keep them to 10 or 11 points or, or like you know, one 116, 117, 118, they're gonna get that on a bad day. So you're gonna have to get above that. So if you can get above that with with talent like David Clifford or, or Tony Brass and these guys up front, if they're gonna get you more than that, then great. If not, you're gonna to have to commit more bodies forward to make sure you're trying to get enough scores. Would you like a cut at managing David Clifford and Tony Brosnan at Sunday? I'm not sure if they're interested in transferring to Leash, but um, yeah, if, if they want to do that, we'd be more than happy to talk about it. Very, very nicely done. Very nicely done. Do you think? Um, do you think Mead of a shout? Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, I like. I, I'm slow to say any team doesn't have a shout because the way they're banging in goals, they're they're going to be a tread. And, and they obviously got five the last day, and they got seven against Wicklow. And people say it's only Wicklow. You still got to put seven goals in any game. Is 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 scoring and. Um, I, I think that'll give them that'll give them a, a, a chance. The fact that they are a goal thread and it's obviously something that they've been working on because they're banging them in all year. So you're, you know, they played them in the league and it was what three or four points, I think, in, in the yeah. in the league game. You know, they they have the big difference between me now and me a couple of years ago is their size and athleticism around the pitch. Like I was, I was blown away by by and we've seen it before, I know, but Dublin's like running ability and their power in that middle third, like this is going into the 60th minute of a game that's already done and dusted. And they're still running over the top of you with, with incredible pace. Me, me, there are, are much better capable, are, are much better prepared, I suppose, or further down the line to be able to cope with that. Like the Brian Mentons and these guys are big, strong athletes who are, who are hugely mobile and get up and down the field. And they've got a lot of, they've got a lot of those guys now with Andy McAdee has added a lot of those fellas. So uh, I think, I think they'll be very competitive now. I, I don't I don't see them beating Dublin, but again, a bit like a, a bit like the four minute mile until we see it done, you know, we we, we can't really expect anybody to do it. Oshin Kiran, Mead. Um yeah, look, uh, again I've only seen Mead in their league games, to be honest. Um, but from what I have seen, I thought they, they have looked impressive and, and look particularly last week, um obviously scoring the five goals again. But the the, the big the most kind of I suppose interesting thing about that was, I suppose they had ten different scores um, in their game the last day, um, which is which is impressive. Um, like five different goal scores, um, and then like Costello from half back getting one one. I think they're certainly playing the game that Mike just described that needs to to tackle Dublin um, and get into Dublin. <coughs> certainly playing that attacking style, but as you said, as Mike said, there their athleticism. Um, has really stood out in relation to, to their improvement over the last number of years. Um, and I, I certainly give them a little bit of a shot. Um, I, think they, I think they'll come close, um, but I do think Dublin will just, will just have the edge, um, which is, yeah, which is, which is good for, for where Mead's at. Like, uh, and again, I, I was preaching last day like that, that the team shouldn't be in, in the business for, for honourable losses. 
and and I'm sure me they're going into that mindset with that mindset as well. Look, they want to beat Dublin to, to Leinster final. There's a lot on the line, um, but um, I do think Dublin might might just nick this one. I just think me seem to keep getting the most out of out of. Uh, they got the most. I think they got the most they could get out of the last season. I think they're getting as much as they can out of this season. I think the championship run was important to them. But I think their, their performances in Division 1 were very, very credible. Uh, and I think um, you're going into this game and, and you look at Costello, like, you know, he play, he's played all of his football at corner forward, all of his football, and they've developed him. They've had a look at him. And, you know, he's a strong runner. He's, he's, he's very, very athletic. Uh, he's getting into the shape that they would sort of want him around. Like if you have Donald Kilgan and him in the one lane, you, you know, you're going okay. So uh, I think me, they're going in the right direction. I think that we we can't um, <coughs> gauge everything against uh, what you do against Dublin. I think there is an opportunity for teams to progress in a certain way. I think... Dublin are at this moment in time the elephant in the room because when people talk about tears, I do think that, uh, and I'm not, not going to rehash what we've talked about in the last couple of weeks, but I do think that Dublin are a tier on their own and then there's there's uh, probably two tiers after that. Um, but I do think that, you know, we can't keep gauging everything against uh, Dublin. I mean, if we start doing that, as far as analysis and punditry goes, we're going to be in a very lonely place, and we are responsible for some of the, um, some of where Dublin are at, because of the nature of the conversation uh, time after time. I, I I'm in no doubt how good Dublin are, but Jesus, I don't care how good teams are, generational teams, uh, different sports. There's always somebody that can knock them off the park. Would you like to have had a cut at them? Would you like to have had a cut at them when you were playing? Your Armagh team. Armagh team, yeah. Of course we would have liked to have a cut at them. I don't know how we would have fared against them. Um, but uh, you'd always want to have a cut against the best. I mean, Which like, of the backs got... would you have liked to have had a run at, Oshin? Which, which, which of them would you like to have had a right go? We know Kieran was talking two weeks ago how he devastated Thomas Sullivan in the Munster semi-final <laughs> given. That's not true. That's <laughs> which, not true. <laughs> which, which of the backs, Oshin, would you go for? Who would you want right to see Trotten Right Norton? now? Yeah. Philly. I'd love, to get a, I'd love to get 70 minutes on Philly at the minute. I think that, uh, you know, I think in the last couple of years, he has concentrated more on how he is offensively than how he is defensively. Uh, to be honest, I think, they, just like Mike said, I think they can be got at. But I just think there's such a collective now and there's a collective willingness to work. I think five years ago, they, uh, I watched him playing against Derry in a, in a league final. And I keep going back to that game because that was the first day I seen a stubborn Dublin. Because uh, Derry came to, uh, to keep the score down, to play very, very defensively. And Dublin just matched them up and said, listen, lads, we don't care how we win. It doesn't have to be... Uh, we don't have to play exuberant, uh, go-forward football, and we're happy to win, uh, playing whatever way you want to play. And they matched them physically. And, uh, and and that was the first day I've seen them become stubborn. And they've been stubborn ever since. So if you go and play in a certain way, they're able to match you up. They don't overthink it. And uh, and again, they just they eventually overpower you. I'll just go back to the point I made last week. Still don't think they're as devastating off the bench as they have been. But... 
they still have a lot of they still have a lot of firepower. Can I can I just say there, Oshina, like, and I know uh, Quirk, Quirk, you mentioned it there as well. Um, like Dublin's Dublin's performance and their system and their strategic style of play. I'm finding like what what the most impressive thing is, and you can see it with all the really like the great teams really. Um, their their ability to not let the scoreboard or the game dictate how they're playing, like so they've set the bar so so high right in relation to how they're playing <clears> the game, and and they're going out against you know teams that you know they might not necessarily have to get you know as as much up for, but they're going out with the same attitude and mm. they're punishing them. Um, and I think I think that's that's the most impressive thing about this team is that they go out in every game they play and they go out playing to the system, everyone knowing their role, playing their role and doing that to the best of their ability and, and leaving everything else happen after that. And that's, that's kind of, to me, looking from the outside in, that's what I'm seeing is, is setting them apart from, you know, the teams that are, you know, the top teams that are getting closer and closer, I think, but their ability to do it consistently and not worry about, any of the external things that are going on outside of the Dublin camp, I think, has been the most impressive thing from from their side from from, from their side of things. I don't know if you you'd agree with that, uh, Mike or uh, yeah, hundred percent. And, and like, I mean, if you go back go back fifteen years, lads, like to the, that, you would be saying the opposite about Dublin. Like you you'd be yeah. saying all they're concerned about is what's going on off the field, and and now. Like you just you, you don't like they've missed Jack McCaffrey is obviously a huge loss to any team, but they just they just kind of get on with it and somebody else steps up and uh, they're just I, I find that though that the psychological part of that and their, their their motivation to eviscerate every every you know minnow that they, they come up against is as as good as when they're playing the Kerrys or the Donegals or anybody else. It's the, it's that mindset. Johnny Cooper's roaring lads like with they're up nineteen points and there's two or three minutes to go and Johnny Cooper's roaring. Like about they put up three minutes of injury time and Johnny Cooper's roaring about three minutes of injury time. Let's get three more scores, you know. And 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 like they're up twenty points or whatever it is. And 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 you're saying Jesus, man, like that. And I know part of that maybe is a bit of show and it's a bit of you know like this is our mindset and we'll we'll let it. But it's it seems like a genuine kind of a thing that this is just the way they approach every game and it's it's a brilliant place to be, obviously. Sorry, yeah, and we're, I, we're I building Dublin up there again. Yeah. No, 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 but I, I do agree with you. And again, I seen this in the league final three years ago as well. Was that um, uh, Cluxton come out to the middle of the field? Uh, Dear McConnell, uh, Philly McMahon had gone missing, gone up forward, so he could get a score or win the game comfortably. Uh, Dear McConnell was spraying passes, trying to spray passes with the outside of his boot, giving the ball away. Cluxton up to the top of the field. Uh, up to the middle of the field, shouting at both of them, first and foremost, but then shouting towards the lane. Jim Gavin, two, three minutes later, both of them were hauled off. And I can imagine that a lot of the concentration was not around, listen, we have another league title in the bag. A lot of the concentration was, lads, we went rogue again. Do you know what I mean? We don't want anybody on this panel who's going to, you know, go and do his own thing. It sounds like it's the minutest details, but I suppose when you get to Dublin stage, you have to you, you start picking on the menu of things because there's nothing yeah. massive or major that that you need to talk about. And when you get to that stage, such a lovely place to be in yeah. as far as you know a team and a manager and everything else. But you're you're, you're talking about Cluxton there, and like I mentioned, Johnny Cooper, and you can go through them. Like it's it's they have super leadership like from their players. Like that they've they've obviously like you know empowered their players to be the guys that are really driving this thing. And 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 it's you don't hear Desi or you don't hear uh, anybody else shouting. It's the players that are really like 
forcing the issue and dragging on and Fenton's talking and everything. And, and I know it's easier to do that when you're on top and you're winning games, but like it's, it's obviously something that's been a big part of them is that developing that leadership with the players that they're the ones that are really driving the thing as opposed to the manager or anybody else doing it, you know? It's interesting being in being in UCD, meeting Dublin footballers. I've met footballers from different counties, but Dublin footballers. And I met a Dublin footballer two days before they played Carlo a couple of years ago in the championship. And I was prodding a little bit and basically saying, look, you know you're going to win. Everybody knows you're going to win. How are you preparing for this match? And he just looked at me like a six heads on me, basically saying, I'm not thinking about them not thinking about winning the match, thinking about playing the match, thinking about the process of it. And it says, we're this, this is, this is no problem. And it was, it was absolutely, that's the mindset that you're talking about, Oshin, of just, we're just, we're going, and we will go from start to finish and we will, we, we, we will not, we will not stop until it's done. If we can just look West for a second, if you were James Horn, if you were James Horn and you know, you're back in the semi-final based on the team or the squad, that you have, what's the one thing that you would do or focus on now to help Mayo lift Sam? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I, I, I'm not sure that Mayo are, are where they were. Um, but for the, for the season that's in this with the knockout championship and they find themselves into the last four, um, I think they're kind of coming in with a little bit of a, almost a free shot. I, I, I don't think there's anywhere near the same kind of pressure on Mayo this year as there was in the previous years. Like their own supporters are, are the most expectant bunch in the country. You know, that they, they, they kind of want success and demand success every year, despite the fact that they very rarely get it at a, at a, at a national level. Um, but I think this year, just the fact that they don't have that kind of pressure, they don't have that big monkey on their back. They have to get over a Galway team narrowly in a, in a kind of final that would have been seen as a big, big threat this year after the way JC started the year with them. Um, um, so I'm not sure. I, I just think they're going to have a little bit, I, I think they're going to be a little bit, not carefree, but a, a little bit more relaxed and a little bit um, less pressure to, on them to really get a result. And I, and I, and I think, you know, they're, they're, they're probably not as strong as they were. Uh, I'm not sure about, about their, their newer guys just yet, but um, I, think, I think James Horn, to be honest, is going to, be, is going to be pretty happy to be in this spot and whatever comes after this comes, you know? How would you do it? Uh, yeah, no, I think primary possession, I think, is is the, is the one that I, I keep coming back to with Mayo, and uh, and if, I think you're, you're, Mike's right. If you're if you're James Horn, I think you just you go and shoot it out, and uh, and I think I think Mayo are in a better position uh, in the forward division than they have been in some time. I think they have uh, they are a nice bit more direct, uh, a good bit more direct than they than they have been as well. And um, primary possession is is probably going to come back and haunt them. Um, Do they have an elite the, level midfield, basically? Uh, I think Rowan is, is a perfect foil and proved that last year. He's the perfect foil for a big man right in the middle. Uh, Loftus has been very, very good. Uh, you know, he could have very yeah, little complaints. A lovely footballer. Yeah, he could have very little complaints about his ability and... Uh, you know, he even gets he's you know, he started to, to learn a lot about playing in that position because obviously the, the position seems a little bit alien to him at, at, at this level. But it just goes back to that that ability to win your own ball in the middle of the field, and, and that's where I think what that's the thing that I think will come back to haunt him. But 
I do think there's a way around that. I do think that, you know, uh, Aidan O'Shea, you know, at 11 for your kickouts and and get a few players around them. I mean, like anybody, lads, who, who watch the car crash that was the second half uh, of Down trying to get win primary possession last week, there's a massive learning curve in that. I mean, I don't know what's wrong because it's a tactic that they've used before. They used in the first half. Paddy Talley used it with Galway um, of overloading one side and, and getting in there and trying to win a break. I mean, I know that won't work all the time. I know you won't win all the breaks, but Jesus, when 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 the house is coming down around you, I mean, that that's the one that I, that I will be going to. And I think, you know... Uh, Mayo need to, if they, Mayo have obviously have three weeks to try and w- work something out, um, and I think you know it's time for them to start implementing that. I mean, you see Dublin implementing things that uh, against weaker teams that they're obviously going to use down the lane, and I think that's maybe what uh, Mayo need to do now as well is to start implementing things immediately in the next three weeks and and seeing if they can uh, that could work for them down the lane. You think um, just just to to look at the Ulster final in general or f- Gaelic football in general, really? Do you think tradition matters? Not so much anymore. No, <clears throat> um, I think uh, I think there's less a lot less emphasis on it. Um, I think. Uh, Tradition is something I think tradition and and how you view teams are is something which has a shelf life and lasts a certain amount of time and then uh, things start to move along because uh, I'll, I'll, if if it's okay I'll go back to United I mean people hated coming to Old Trafford they were one nil down before they came and uh, now the one nil up and and they think you know <laughs> tradition has has been turned on its head in that regard and I think it's the same uh, with Gaelic football. Mike. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, I think in some sense tradition is great when you're when you're, you know, to get people playing the game, to 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 get people playing with your club, to get people playing with your county, to have that kind of belief among supporters because it's been there before and it's been bred into them through their fathers and their mothers and their grandparents, and that side of it is really important. But ultimately, if you're in a team or you're preparing to play anybody, like what they did, you know, 50 years ago or 100 years ago, is 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 pretty irrelevant really, and it's about trying to build your own tradition within a new group really and 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 you know and, and what you do throughout your playing career whether that's six or seven or eight or ten years that's that's the tradition you're worried about creating and and you do that by winning games and and, and you know getting as, as much success as you can but uh, what what went on a hundred years ago for for that current playing group is is pretty irrelevant really i i i would add one thing to that mike i think you're absolutely right in terms of getting people playing i'd add to it though that I think where tradition does matter is where it sets the bar of expectation for success. Mm-hmm. So the bar of expectation for success, Kerry, <clears throat> is 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 an All Ireland medal or or five, isn't that right? And for in cross, it's it's a it's um it's a championship. For every sure, but, year, really. And if you but if you look at the likes of like we were speaking about Mickey Hart earlier, like he 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 created their own tradition by starting yeah. by starting from scratch with a group. And, and, and achieves incredible success. So he created, he, he's the guy now that has created that tradition of success in Tyrone, albeit there was very, very little before, before he was there. So, 
you know, I, you're you're 100 right. But I, I think every group, whether you're a player, a manager, coaching, anyway, your your thing is about creating your tradition with your group, and and that's 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 the the narrative now. That that's what matters now. It's not about what happened previously, I suppose. I, I asked the question because in looking at the Ulster final this weekend, Donegal are in the great golden age of of uh, of their history. In in if you look at their Ulster Championship successes. 2011, 2012, 2014, 2018, 2019, going for the first three in a row in, in their history. It would make, it would basically make six Ulsters in 10 years is more or less what they've won. In the previous 123, they'd only won five. By contrast, Donegal won their first, oh, so Donegal's first Ulster was in 1972. By that stage, Cavan had won 38 Ulster championships and have only won one since. And it's amazing it's not amazing really but if you look at Cavan that tradition it's kind of has disappeared really because it's it's two generations past it hangs in sepia pictures in on walls but that's no help when you go out over the field and it's it's very can you make a case for the machine on on Sunday it's difficult it's difficult Paul uh but again just to try and flip back to the mead thing I think Cavan uh if you look at Cavan's season, I think unlucky to go into Division Three. Um, uh, I think Mickey Graham had to pick his team up after relegation, go into the Monaghan game, be more or less obliterated in the first half. I suppose after the initial five or ten minutes, uh, pick them up again to come back. They they win that game. Uh, you know Antrim. Uh, very poor against Antrim. Antrim had them on the rack, had an opportunity to score a goal after half time. Uh, as soon as that, that score is missed, Cavan go up the field, uh, get a score, tag on a couple more, win the game fairly comfortably in the end. Uh, last week, completely done a dead duck at half time. Completely. And uh, to, turn, to turn it around, I've watched them now, I've seen all of their games live. They have almost 300 minutes in the bag. Uh, and uh, when they've pushed and they've pressed, they've looked very, very good. Very, very good. Uh, albeit not up against, you know, the quality of team that they're coming up against at the weekend. Not the quality of, well, arguably not the quality of goalkeeper that they're coming up against at the weekend. Although Began is obviously very good, but had... Uh, uh, had a tough time towards the end of the uh, or, or towards the end of the Mon and Cavan match, um, but I just think that it's very. Inter- I find this very interesting now at the weekend as to Mickey Graham's mindset, how he sets them up, uh, and just you know, as a as a manager going into that game, uh, you know, do, do you do what Cavan have done so far and has worked for them in that? You try and keep it tight for a certain amount of time, but but Cavan have tried to keep it tight now against uh, Monaghan, uh, eight points down at half time. Try to keep it tight against Down. Uh, what were the nine points down at half? At uh, ten points at one stage, eight points down at half time, um, and then they push in the press, and and they're a completely different team. And I'm just wondering what would be wrong with them, just you know doing that right from the start of the game, and like. They're not expected to win the game. And I'm just expecting, you know, Mike was talking about a free shot. I'm just wondering 
you know, if that's the way Mickey Graham's going to approach the game and say, lads, let's just have a real, just have an absolute go at this. Let's put Donegal on the pressure, which they, which they haven't really been uh, since since uh, the, the 15, 20 minutes against Tyrone. I'm just wondering what they're going to do. Have they got a chance? Uh, I can't see. I can't see them beating Donegal. Yeah, were you disappointed with Armagh last weekend? Uh, I was disappointed. And I listened to Mike's interview after the on the Sunday game last Sunday night, and uh, I, I go back to the Mike Tyson one. I'll use the Mike Tyson one. And Armagh went into the game with a plan, uh, and Donegal went in with a plan, and Donegal were able to execute their plan without getting a punch in the face. And I don't mean literally. I mean you know. Uh, you know the plan's okay until you get punched a few times and Amar never raised a the gallop they never threw a punch and, and that was the most disappointing thing for me I didn't think going into the game we were going to win uh, but I thought we'd be able to, to Why does that few, happen? Why, why, why does it happen that you get to the biggest game of the season and and, I, and, you I, get, I th- and you're gone? I think there was too much I feel there was too, too I, I think you know, you set up. You have to set up in a certain way, and you have to plan for as many things as you can. And I sometimes think players plan for that many things, or they're so ready for you know tactically how the game's going to play out that they forget to play. And I think that was a lot. I think of what happened last week, and you know, like the first twelve minutes of the game, I was sitting in the stand. I was going, "This could not be going any better for Arma," and then it just the all of the bricks came tumbling down and, and you know there was no pressure on the ball in the middle of the field and if you're playing against Donegal and there's no pressure on the ball in the middle of the field then you're absolutely uh, you're, you're, you're not going anywhere um, Mike we do uh, we do a thing at the end of each of the shows here where we, we go through the games and we, we call a winner for each of them and like the two Kieran, lads Kieran's in the lead the, the, <laughs> Two lads, let's just say we have a two-tier competition here. <laughs> One of the two lads predicted that Wicklow would beat Mead in Ockram and like and it wasn't Kieran. So but we'll leave you it. Said it you said you'd never mention that again. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> Cannot be trusted. <laughs> so um uh, the Munster football final, Mike, who's gonna win it? One word. Cork. Cork. Oshin. Cork. Kieran. Cork. Well done. Um, the Leinster football final. Dublin. 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 And Ulster. Donegal. 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 And if there's to be a shock this weekend, which one will it come in? Uh, Monster. Uh... Ulster. Kieran. Leinster. <laughs> <laughs> I have to go something with left field. Like, keep up with our team. Face is uh, covered. The whole ambition is to get you played in the dressing room before this season's over. Kieran, <laughs> uh, that's a complete rank failure if we don't manage this. Lads, thanks a million for, uh, for the last while and um, we look forward to another weekend of twists and and turns, I think they're starting again with many thanks to Renault and we'll talk to you lads again next week. With Renault, official car partner of the GAA, taking the passion of a nation to a whole new gear. (laughs) 
Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com.